Welcome to Mo's 15, The Reunion. I'm James, and joining me today is Camilla. And Camilla, can you tell us your site and what you did? I was a health volunteer in Villanculos, Inyamban. And you probably hosted many Mo's 15ers. I did the first year. I did. Um, the second year, I think some of them got scared of me. <laughs> well, I definitely visited you the first year and I don't recall visiting you the second year. That might be why. <laughs> no, I also think Drew, which was very nearby in, in Asoto, um, he was a lot more open and way more fun. So I think a lot of, of the Peace Corps volunteers gravitated towards Drew which not a problem. <laughs> and for anyone that may not remember you, can you tell us a little bit about who you were 10 to 12 years ago? I believe I was the only Puerto Rican uh, in the group. Not the only Latina, there were a couple others, but I was the only Puerto Rican. Um, I was not old, old, but I was not fresh out of college. I was almost 30 when I joined Peace Corps. Um, and I was very serious about Peace Corps and what I wanted to get out of it. So. <laughs> so why don't you walk us through your serious self last time we saw you and where you are today? Are, are you still a serious person? Yeah, I'm still pretty serious, pretty uptight. I have to say, if anything, I'm more uptight. I'm more serious now. <laughs> When was the last time you played devil's advocate? Oh my God. Today. <laughs> <laughs> today. I, that's like my favorite phrase in the whole wide world. I was talking to my boss today. We're have this big lounge tomorrow. And uh, I'm, there's a couple of things that may go wrong. And he, you know, we were chatting and going through them. And, he, and I was like, just to play devil's advocate. <laughs> this is going to blow up on our and our faces and we need to like be <laughs> be ready and anyway i played it today uh why, why don't you walk us through what you've been doing the last 10 years well i actually stayed in mozambique after we finished our service i stayed there for almost three extra years i uh, continued dated dating my now husband uh which some of some of the volunteers might remember his name was Mark. He was South Africa. He is South African. Um, so we stayed in Mozambique. Um, I started working with the UN agency, with the UN agency um, IOM. Actually, a previous volunteer, most I think he's ten or twelve, um, hooked me up with a job, and I stayed. And, and after that, we moved to South Africa for for another three years, but I was doing emergency response work. So I was traveling a lot and spent very little time in South Africa. I lived in Nepal after the earthquake for about seven to eight months. Um, then I moved to Micronesia for about a year. Um, then Timor-Leste. Uh, then I was in Brazil when I found out I was pregnant and um, decided to move to back to Puerto Rico to have the baby. Um, and then the pandemic hit while we were just, you know, fresh out of a 
birthing experience or not. And so we decided to stay and here we are almost four years later, <laughs> still in Puerto Rico. <laughs> You've lived and worked in a couple of countries I've never heard of before. How, how, so how many countries have you worked in and lived in? I will say live with a caveat that my residency was always in South Africa while this was happening. And so I will always travel back to South Africa after, you know, after a period of time, spend some time with my husband and then leave again. But all in all, I will say um, Micronesia was the first one. I spent a year and a half there going back and forth. Um, then I was in Timor-Leste, which is just right above um, Papua New Guinea, Australia. It's like the vicinity and it's near Indonesia. Um, and then I was, um, I was in Venezuela, uh, in Brazil for the Venezuelan migrant response. Um, oh, and Nepal, of course, I was in Nepal right after the earthquake in 2015. And I was there for seven, eight months after the earthquake. Um, but again, my residency was South Africa. So I, like in Nepal, I lived out of a tent for most of that time. Um, it was a humanitarian tent. So I had like, it was posh, but um, I, I know Peace Corps volunteers that rough that out a lot more than I did on that tent. Um, but but yeah, and then I, I went back to South Africa for a couple of months and then I left again. So it's been it's been a fun ride. I really, really enjoyed my post Peace Corps work experience. And I really enjoy what I'm doing now. How did it feel to come home? It was interesting. Um, I came to Puerto Rico to give birth. So I, I came in heavily pregnant. I was like six, seven months pregnant um, when we moved here. And then I had the baby and I was really enjoying being here. The baby was like two, three months old. And I started um, seeing if I could find something to do while we were here. Um, and I found this job, which I thought was going to be just like a six months thing until I, you know, found my other, my next UN job. But then the pandemic hit. Um, and so I don't want to say we got stuck here because I feel very lucky that I was here when the pandemic started. I have a lot of um, old colleagues that were not and have not been able to get back into um, emergency response other than, you know, going into man-made disasters, like a war zone. Um, and I really do enjoy what I do now here. It's sort of the same, but different, if that makes sense. <laughs> so you have sold out, right? You're uh, working for uh, uh, the private uh, sector now? I did. I left my, my UN job for the private sector. I didn't think I was going to do that, but I definitely sold out and I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, the UN and I enjoy it now too. It's just, you know, working for the private sector, there's always the caveat that somebody's making a profit out of it. Not that that didn't happen with the UN, but it was a little bit less in your face, <laughs> I guess. From your perspective, does it seem like it's more efficient though? Yes, it is. That is no questions, like hands down, it's way more efficient. 
Yeah. So, so for anyone that, that hasn't sold out yet, you know, consider that. Consider that. I, I will say one thing though, that did surprise me. I was getting paid a lot more with the UN, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> I would say almost double, particularly when you consider that I did not pay taxes because I was living abroad. And now here I, I took a, I took a significant pay cut. Um, and on top of that, I have to pay a shitload of taxes. <laughs> have you gotten itchy feet yet? You ready to get back out there and, and. Every month I'm like, where, where should I go next? Where should I go next? But I, my, my daughter really likes her school. Um, <laughs> I have a really strong support system here. My mom is here. Uh, my dad is here. My my brother is here. My brother actually just had a baby like a year and a half ago. So my my daughter is over the moon with her cousin. And considering the fact that I'm definitely not having any more kids, I, I do feel strong about her having, you know, a cousin slash sibling in her life. And so, yes, if I were by myself, I will pack off and go off again in a heartbeat. But Right now, life is good. You know, we're comfortable. We we bought a house here. Um, we, yeah, we're we're good. I cannot complain. How's your Portuguese? Mais ou menos. Um, it was actually pretty good up until I moved back to Puerto Rico. Um, actually, when I stayed in Mozambique, and then later on when I was in Brazil. Um, I'm doing other work in Timor-Leste, for example. The reason I got to go to all those places was because I had Portuguese proficiency. I, would, I, I was fully professionally working in Portuguese. Um, but now that I split my days between Spanish and English, it's, uh, it's very hard. I have I, I do practice sometimes and I do still read sometimes. Um, I've been watching a lot of Portuguese films, but it, you know, I think I understand a lot more than I actually speak. I think right now it will probably be more Portuñol than anything. I'm sure you're up there as far as most proficient in our group still. Um, I don't know. There were like Laura was a lot more proficient than I was. There were a couple of people that really dug into it a lot more. I think it was easier for me because I, you know, Spanish is my mother tongue. And so it's, there's some similarities. Um, but staying in Mozambique really helped, really, really helped. I do have a fun fact though. When I was working in Brazil, um, Turns out Brazilian Portuguese is quite different from Mozambican Portuguese. And I got into some pretty funny situations with, you know, words like matabicho. Like everybody just looked at me like, fuck you're talking about. <laughs> uh, machibombo, also very, very, very Mozambican. So there's a couple, there were a, a, a few words that were not really really they don't really translate to brazilian portuguese so would you do peace corps again yes i would i think i think it was 
Ariel or Kyla that were saying that, you know, it will be a great experience to do with a family. And I think, I think about that all the time. I would love my kid to, to live the Peace Corps experience. Um, I don't know if I would do it now, like by myself, obviously I can't have a kid, but, um, but that's something I, I wouldn't write off. Um, definitely. We should look look this up because a lot of us have kids and we should, someone, if, if the answer hasn't been revealed yet, look up if you can join Peace Corps with a child. Well, one, I, I do have to say something about the Peace Corps experience versus the expat life that I live. And it's very different. I was definitely living the expat life after I left Peace Corps. And I could argue that I was sort of living the expat life while I was doing Peace Corps because I was in the, one of the poshest sites. I had a really nice house in front of the beach. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if I can consider, I don't know if I did the whole Peace Corps experience as most of you guys did. Um, you did. <laughs> I don't know. I had a, I had hot water in my house. It did chuck me every time I turned it on, but I did have hot water. <laughs> I'm sure you had your share of sexual harassment. I'm sure you had your share of all those other things that, you know, bothered people. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I just did it with nicer veggies, uh, veggie selection from the expat supermarket. And I think my job at, with Peace Corps was also quite, my role with Peace Corps was also a bit different because I, I was with care. And so I definitely had a, a job, like a nine to five job. Um, and I had, it was very structured and I had per diem when I travel and all those things, um, which is what I wanted and really I'm very thankful for because it set me up for what I did later on. Um, I, I can't remember if this is right, but for some reason, I think I asked for that. Like, you know, when, right before we go to sites, um, to, to do the site selection, when they interview you. I, I was very serious about it. You know, I was like, I'm 29 years old. I really, really need to. <laughs> this is my jump start into my career. This is what I want to do for life. I, I want to be with with a big NGO. Um, and they did. They deliver. And, and after that, that really, really helped catapult my career later on. So I've been asking people, what do you miss most about Mozambique? But since you stayed there so long, you could either say what you miss most about Peace Corps or what you miss most about Mozambique. I want to tell you, and you can totally judge me, just, just mind your face, because I am very much aware that what I'm about to say, I should be judged for it. And I judge myself every day that I think about this, but this is something I think about every single day because I do miss it every single day. I miss my empregada. I was expecting something a lot worse, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I met this woman, Melita. Um, my husband, my then boyfriend, but then now husband, hired her. And she started working with us like one day a week, like most empregadas do, uh, doing the laundry because we had no power when we um, where we live. And yes, after I stayed, I actually roughed it out a lot more than when I was in my site. <laughs> um, but she she was so happy all the time. Um, she was a widow. She was really happy for the job, and um, she just she just asked me to keep coming. And so we had the money, and and she just eventually moved in with us. 
Um, when I got transferred to Chai Chai after the floods, I asked her if she wanted to come with me. And she came. She, to my surprise, she like she got in the shop and she's like, yeah, I'll I'll go with you. And she was living with me in in, in my house. Um, my husband used to travel. Um, like he, his work was on rotation, so he would spend one month in and one month out. And so we we became really close. Like we were roommates basically. I mean, I pay her and all, but um, she was there with me every day. Um, and then she got pregnant. Um, and we were moving to Maputo and I asked her, I said, listen, if you want to go back to, to Villanculos, we'll, we'll put you up, we'll give you a severance, or if you want to come with me, you're totally welcome to. Um, and so she said, can the baby come? I was like, of course the baby can come. And, and she came with us and she actually um, gave birth in Maputo. She, I took her to the hospital. I, I held that baby. Um, the minute it was born because I was right next to her as she was giving birth and you know she stayed with me and and when I would come back from work she was tired from the whole you know day with the baby and whatnot she would hand me the baby which by the way she named Marcos like my husband Mark um and then um when we moved to South Africa we asked her if she wanted to come and she said yes so we um work with her and, and a lawyer to do all of the paperwork, all of her passports. And, you know, if she was from rural Mozambique, she barely knew how to write, but we got her passports and the baby and she decided to come with us. And so she lived with us in South Africa for three years. Um, so all in all, she was with me for six and a half years. And when we were leaving, <clears throat> that was the hardest thing to say goodbye to her. Because she knew everything. Like I, I didn't have to say anything to her. She knew how everything needed to be in the house. She knew how I liked things. She knew what I when I was sad, when I was angry, when I was happy. Um, we had every meal together when I was home, and you know I saw that baby grow when when we left. He was three, almost four years old, like the the age my daughter is right now. And and we cried, we cried out for like half a day, and then you know she got in the chapa and and she went. Um, but I miss her, man. I miss her so much for the practical things, for the emotional things. I miss her so much. What do you miss least about Mozambique? Fucking sun. I will tell you one thing. Yes, I live in a posh side in front of the beach, and most days it was beautiful. But what they don't tell you about that is that no matter how much you clean, there's always going to be sand in your bed. Always. Fucking Matakenas all over the house, all over the place. There's sand. I mean, I I was a bit, I don't know, ambivalent about sand before. You know, I grew up in Puerto Rico. The beach wasn't, like, I've, I've had beaches all my life. Um, but, but after two years in front, in a hut in front of the, of the beach, yeah, that idyllic scenario, like really wears off because everything was like, um, corroded, like nothing that you bought stayed clean or like everything was always damp. Everything had sand all the time. Your hair had sand all the time. Um, doesn't matter how many showers you get. And so, yeah, I don't miss the sand. I don't go to the beach anymore, by the way. 
Well, at least not as much as I used to as a as a young Puerto Rican. Did you keep your cat from Mozambique? Well, the one thing the one thing that I remember about your place was your cat. The the one that I had to kill several times. No, I did not keep keep it. Actually, I'm pretty sure he became some really nice Mozambique meal at some point. I was afraid of him because he looked like a bobcat. I mean, the thing was huge. I don't know if you know the story about the cat, but the cat was an inheritance from a previous, the previous Peace Corps volunteer. And so she left me a bag of food and she's like, you know, he really likes his food. You should just like keep him. He's great. Fucking cat was not great. The cat was <laughs> devil. Okay. The cat used to get on top of the, um, of the roof of the fake ceiling because we had like a fake straw ceiling and he would get on top and he would piss on top of the plates he would piss on my on my shoes he would piss on my bed and so i tried to get rid of it and i tried to poison him <laughs> i ate around the poison I, I like i bought some nice meat the cat ate around the 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 poison and ate all of the meat still alive then after that i tried to chase him with a knife couldn't catch him um i tried to get the vet that i worked with because one of the projects that care was working with was with a veterinarian like it was for veterinary services and i tried to get the cat you know killed basically euthanized and um the vet couldn't catch him. And then he wanted to charge me anyways, 150 bucks, dollars for the euthanization. And I was like, I'm a Peace Corps volunteer. That's what I make a month. Like, I'm not spending that type of money. So then later I, I, I caught it and I put it in a bag and I gave it to them, Pregada that I had at the time and the, the garden boy that Care had. And they like got rid of it. The next morning, the cat is back. <laughs> the door. And and so the empregada wouldn't come to the door because she said that they threw the cat in the ocean and the cat came back. So I needed to get a freaking praise to like do a I don't know, like a peticheria, this I don't know. Because she wouldn't come into the house again and clean my my clothes because the stupid cat was there and, and they were sure that they kill it. But it gets worse. Because eventually, I just like just kept him out of the house. But then Care found another volunteer that was not Peace Corps. She was from another like British program. So she was some British girl, and she came in. She's having a really hard time, and she wanted to keep the fucking cat inside again. And so I mean, I sound horrible. I actually like cats. I had cats before. I just this cat was the devil. And so it just pissed everywhere and ate all of like, yeah, it was horrible. Was it plain devil's advocate? No, no, it was just fucking devil. And so when, when Ross, that was the name of the volunteer, she moved to a different house in the same compound, but she took the cat with her and she kept the cat inside because I told her if I see that cat again, I'm going to kill it. And I'm usually not that vicious, but that cat just like, you know, it just throwing multiple, multiple cheats. Um, 
it just pissed everywhere. And it was just like not a nice cat to have around. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of heat and hate. Yes. There's a lot of cat lovers in the group. You know, this one might not go over that well with some. I don't mind cats. I mean, my daughter loves cats and, you know, I don't mind them. But that cat in particular, I'm telling you, I mean, when you have to pay a fetichero to go and like do a sorcerer's thing in your house because you're a gardener and then Brigada wouldn't come in because they think the cat cat is possessed. Like I, they might be into something. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I can relate. I, we have a dog and it's probably the worst decision I've ever made in my entire life. What type of dog is it? So we actually know it's DNA. It is about 40% American bulldog. It's about 30 something percent lab. And then the rest is a couple different types of cattle dogs. So, and it has all the worst traits of all, all those dogs. <laughs> Pain tolerance is through the roof because its ancestors were commonly kicked in the face by by cattle. And uh, it's super protective and aggressive because it's an American bulldog and that's what they wanted those dogs to be. Fun fact, I when we were in South Africa, well, in Mozambique and then in South Africa, we got two Rhodesian Ridgebacks who later in South Africa made it and made really cute little and we kept one. So I had... I have three dogs, three Rhodesian Ridgebacks. And when we moved from South Africa to Puerto Rico, that was really all we took. Um, it was uh, super expensive, but super worth it. So I have my, I don't know if you remember the Rhodesian Ridgebacks, but they're like Scooby-Doo type of dogs. They're really big. The The smallest one is like 110 pounds. Um, and so we we brought them in their special crates. And uh, I, I love my dogs and, and they're, you'll hear them bark soon, but, um, but Amelia really likes cats. So we might have to see what, you know, how we can make that happen eventually. We'll get the cat baptized first. <laughs> I'm hoping that if we get it as a kitten, it's not a, a, you know, as problematic as, you know, inheriting a cat that I don't think, I think I was like the third volunteer that, that got that cat. He, it probably had like PTSD or something from all of the different volunteers that went through the house. What was your malaria med adherence plan while you were a Peace Corps volunteer? Actually, I think I stopped taking it in the Masha. So you were one of the first ones probably. Look at my rationale, like listen to my rationale. I don't think it, it made a lot of sense, but in, in my head, I knew that this is, you know, I wanted to be working abroad and I knew that that was just the start of a long career and therefore I was not going to do something that I was going to stop. No, I think that makes sense. And I did get malaria actually, not well, um, not with Peace Corps, but while I was in Mozambique, I think it was like the first or second year I was there after, after the after we we finished, um, I did get malaria. It was pretty gnarly. I gotta say, I wasn't scared for my life, but I've never been in as much pain. And I'm I'm including childbirth there. Like everything hurt. I had the worst runs. Um, it was, I felt really sick. Uh, for about three days and then it went away 
Um, I still have some joint pain from time to time, but nothing I can handle. What are a few things you did a lot as a Peace Corps volunteer that you either rarely or never do now? I used to read a lot as a volunteer. And now I don't necessarily have time to read. So I do a lot of audiobooks. Is that, does that compare? Like, I don't get the book. Yeah, that's different. So that that's something that, you know, um, um, I don't listen to as much music now. I, I have a three-year-old. She has control of the music, as you probably know. So you listen to music, but you listen to Encanto all day. Well, no, because a very wise parent once told me, get her to listen to your music first. And then that way you don't have to like submit yourself to, you know, encounter all day. Um, the only problem is that my daughter has, it's a bit of like compulsive. And so right now she is obsessed with Shakira's new song. Um, and so she has me listen to it about 20, 30 times a day until she memorizes the song and then she wants another new song. So last week it was Shakira's, um, I don't remember, the Revenge song. Um, and then this week is Cattle G's because obviously she's listened to this in, on YouTube. And so YouTube suggests music that you may like <laughs> and so yeah so now she's uh she's obsessed with cattle g's uh don't be shy so that's that's the song of, of the last three days the the plus side is that it's not as bad as having cocomelo on repeat but you do get tired of of the music and and the songs she she has a way of getting you to really hate the songs that you would potentially like <laughs> who was the last peace corps volunteer you saw um andrew lynn actually but not from our group um we worked together so he was uh, the last one i saw who when was the last mozambican you spoke to or saw so saw was milita my my empregada when we left um i've been pretty secluded in puerto rico <laughs> Um, but from time to time, I do get messages from my old colleagues from CARE. They do message me a lot on LinkedIn. Um, yeah, so we just touch base every six months or so. And um, from time to time, you know, do you remember Lauren Fox? Yep. Her boyfriend, well, heck, her ex-boyfriend, Justino. He actually uh, got a job at IOM. We, we recruited him, Andrew and I, because we both knew Lauren and he was great. And so we um, got him into the, into the office and um, we offered him a job. And so um, I haven't spoken to him in a while, but we, we still correspond from time to time because he asked me about like work stuff. What is the worst thing or the most trouble you could have gotten into as a Peace Corps volunteer? And you can define that however you would like. I mean, I drove. I don't know if that is. That was against the rules. Yeah, I, I drove quite a bit. My, my boyfriend had a car. 
And I think a few times I forgot to send a text message when we were out of town, like, because I was out of town so much. Um, I spent a lot of time in my boat with Julie and Mandy. Um, and I travel a lot. I, I mean, there were just a few days um, at a time, but I, yeah, I, I eventually stopped texting the line just because it was just pretty annoying. If you woke up tomorrow morning and it was day one of training, what do you think you would do differently? I have heard a few people say that they will take their Portuguese a lot more seriously. I definitely would. Um, I would have been less cocky about, you know, getting away with Portuñol and actually put more time into into learning proper proper Portuguese because as I learned later when I stayed, it really came in handy. I don't know. I go back and forth about this, but I think I should have at least try a bit harder to learn a, one of the local languages, like Machangana or something like that. I don't think it would have made a difference, but I think it would have made the Peace Corps experience a bit more rich. Do you have any Fofoka to share? Not really. I mean, one of the things that I learned in, well, I knew it before, but I came to peace with it in Mozambique. I am not as much as of a people's person as, as I would like to think or would have thought I was. I actually like being alone quite a bit. And I don't know if it's because I'm, you know, almost 40 or, um, or I'm just stuck up, it could be. But I don't, you know, if if I don't see a reason to to be friendly and I don't know, develop a friend a friendship, I probably won't. And I'm okay with that now. I think Peace Corps had a lot to do with that too. Um, before I, I felt really guilty about that and, and now I don't care. <laughs> but the, the bypass of that is that I don't have any Fofoka because I don't talk to anybody. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you're gonna tie that back or not. <laughs> because I'm a bit of a loner, I, I guess I don't have any Fofoka. I mean, I, I think- Or because you're a loner, you actually have some really good Fofoka. No, 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 um, not at all. I I think the last Peace Corps volunteer that I spoke from our group were either Micah or Julie. When Julie got married, um, she like sent me a picture of her wedding. You know, you know, we've touched very briefly. I wouldn't say we've caught up or anything, but we, I know, I know her phone number. She has my phone number, so. I know I can reach her if I want to, and she can reach me if she wants to. And I think the same for Micah. We we actually Zoom last, like, two years ago, in the middle of the pandemic. He got married. <laughs> that's I, I don't think that's Fofoka. That that's maybe, Fofoka. maybe it could that's be. Yeah. <laughs> that's as much Fofoka as I can get. Do you have any new hobbies? Not really, no. I, I, I'm a bit of a workaholic and when I don't work, I, um, I spend time with my daughter who was, uh, was a trip. Have your politics changed? And if so, which direction have, have they moved? Um, I don't know if the, if they've 
move. But I've again, I've come to terms with probably some feelings that I wrestled before. And I'm I'm social liberal, but very fiscal conservative, probably. I don't know if it's because of the money that I've helped spend. Um, like right now, managing a $20 billion CDBG funding. And, you know, I, I see a lot of things that it's like, hmm, taxpayer money shouldn't be paying this. And so, yeah, and then the same when I was with the UN, you know, we, we got a lot of funding from USAID and, and whatnot and, and JTIP and, you know, you see things and you're like, I don't know if, if we should be spending money on this. I don't know if this is the, the best investment. And you were getting paid twice as much. By any chance, were you doing twice as much work for the UN? No, I was not. Um, I think I work more hours now, actually. But the thing with the UN is that I, when I was working, at least the positions that I was working, and I, it's it's different for every agency and and for different roles. But um, when I was working, I usually worked emergency response, which meant that I was working seven days a week, 10, 12 hour days for you know three, four months at a time. And so, in that sense, the the money was, you know, it, I guess it's, it breaks out even, right? When you, when you think about an hourly wage and whatnot, I think the biggest difference right now with the salary, it's the taxes, because that was a big awakening when I came back uh, from abroad. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if any other volunteers have been abroad after Peace Corps, like living, but that was man that and and the grocery store like those were the two biggest adjustments having to do your taxes and actually get money deducted before you see it and um yeah that was i'm not complaining i pay my taxes but oh my god <laughs> i was not prepared when i made this decision of coming back to the u.s I was not prepared. I mean, I, I prepared to lose to lose and forgot. I'm not not a third of my salary. <laughs> so, how has or how did your Peace Corps experience change you? I think it made me more aware or sure of who I was. I don't think it had it necessarily, you know, shifted the person I was, but it definitely gave me the tools to to be myself, to be more comfortable being myself and, and everything that that meant. Um, and the other thing, and I'm very thankful to Peace Corps for this, is that it gave me a career. I mean, I was, I was aching for that. I knew what I wanted to do and I just needed a break and Peace Corps gave me that break. Um, and so, yes, I was probably more serious and more stuck up, but I, I knew what I wanted to get out of Peace Corps and I did. And I'm very thankful for that. I don't take that for granted. And I will tell like any American that wants to break into the, you know, UN development work, Peace Corps, it's, it's great for that. It's almost like your only choice, right? I mean, there's really not a lot of options for getting experience. Um, Not really. I mean, there's a couple of other minor programs like church um churches and whatnot and i think there's a couple of programs that do like a year 
but Peace Corps is, is it's legit, it's recognized, and you know, you'll be surprised how many Peace Corps volunteers um, you end up meeting later that really see you as as a colleague, you know, as like, okay, if she did Peace Corps, she's legit, like she can do the work. Um, I mean, I know that's why Andrew hired me. It wasn't because he was blown away by my super skills, is that he needed somebody that spoke Portuguese, that knew Mozambique, and that could wrap it up in Chai Chai after the floods. And he was like, I need somebody yesterday. Can you come? And I said, yes. And so, like, I will say he, like, Peace Corps gave me that, that edge. Um, and, you know, it taught me Portuguese and I needed a third language and, you know, it did that. Peace Corps for me was fantastic potentially in a different way than from what most volunteers get out. But in, in terms of what I got out, it, it was exactly what I was looking for. Is there anything else you'd like to share about what you've been doing or what you did in Moe's? I did have a thought today because I opened a papaya and I thought to myself, shit, this, there's no way this papaya, like I just, it doesn't taste the same. Fruit doesn't taste the same. I'm sure some volunteers can relate, but fruit in Africa just tastes so much better. Um, but, oh, I do have one thing to, to share um, because I'm super excited. Tomorrow is the grand opening and, and you know one of the programs that we're working with, um, for those of you that are renewable energy junkies or are really much into the whole renewable energy, um, with part of the money that uh, my firm manages. We have this program and we're investing um, about $500 million in renewable energy systems to just give them away to low income and low and moderate income households here in Puerto Rico. Um, it's a long-term program. We have about two more years to go, but once we're finished, we could potentially power a third of the island. Uh, on renewables and I'm super excited. I haven't, you know, I've been working really long hours and it launches tomorrow at 7 a.m. So well congratulations. I'm super proud of that. And if any of you want to know about that, you can send me a message. My email's still the same. The number has changed a few times, but I'm sure Jim can give it to you. <laughs> okay. So if, if you want Camilla's number or email, go to the email that I've been sending everyone. She's in there. Or you can text me and I will share her number with you. It would be great to hear from people, even though I'm, you know, all stuck up and all. <laughs> it, I can vouch for that. It is nice to hear from people. Even if it's just to say hi. <laughs> What's the best audio book you've listened to recently? Um, Fair Play, actually. And I will strongly recommend it to all of you Peace Corps volunteers that are married and you want to have a stronger relationship with your significant other. Fair Play is really good. Um, bonus points if you get it with um, with the cards that come, the play cards. So that that's been really good. And then I noticed on the questions and the questions that you sent me, um, you want recommendations for children's book. I have I have one I I have one um, because this books they're children's books but really I read them every night for my daughter and I read them for myself 
because they're amazing. Um, it's a series, this whole series is called I Am. And one is I am peace, I am human, I am courage, I am one. And they're short books, they're beautifully illustrated and they're all messages um, of empowerment and just, they're, they're really beautiful. My favorite one is I am peace. My daughter loves it, she can recite it. Um, and it really helps calm her down whenever she has a tantrum because I remind, remind her, you know, you're peace. What, the, what do we do when we're peace? And, you know, it calms her down. So I, I can vouch for the books and they're beautiful. I've not heard of those yet. So I'm definitely going to, going to grab a couple of those. You, you won't regret it. They're really, really beautiful. How about uh, films or TV show? You ever, you ever watch stuff? No, I mean, I do, but I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've, I've developed a really bad taste for TV. Um, and I just binge like once every couple of weeks and then we we move on. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I'm too embarrassed. Wow. Okay. And even on Netflix. So text. So if, if you want Camilla's TV recommendations, you're going to have to text her for those ones. <laughs> Definitely. Def I'll share them over text, but not over <laughs> Like who knows who listens to this shit besides from us, aside from us. Well, we have been going for a while. I think yours is going to be the longest episode. Uh, no complaint from me though. Uh, do you have any, anything else to share? No, I'm sorry about my voice. I had um, I had bronchitis two weeks ago, which is why I had to cancel the the previous one, um, our previous meeting. But thank you for for. Um, rescheduling and and putting up with my very sexy voice. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah, I couldn't even tell. Thank you. Well, Camilla, thank you a lot for your time and enjoy the new project tomorrow. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody that wants to um, know about that can text me or email me and I will send you all the information. I'm really proud. And it's, um, it's going to be the largest microgrid in the U.S. So something to look forward to. Hey, most fan, this is Shane from Mo16, Shamoyu. James was very generous to give me a minute here to speak about Friends of Mozambique, which is a 501c3 nonprofit founded by Mo's RPCVs, is a way of continuing to make a positive impact in Mozambique post-Peace Corps service. The most important thing that we do is fund small grants to community groups in Mozambique. Projects have ranged from everything from teaching girls to code to youth empowerment through soccer. As a small organization, we are very intentional about choosing small, always less than $1,500, but impactful projects to get the most bang for our donors' buck. The best thing about Friends of Moe's is that 100% of donations go directly to projects in Mozambique. We have essentially zero overhead and have a great board, including former country director Carl Swartz, Peace Corps staff Ophelia Shuva, and uh, several RPCVs who you may know. If you want to learn more about Friends of Moe's, go to friendsofmozambique.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We're not on the TikTok yet, but maybe one day. You can learn more about our projects and make a donation if you are able. We guarantee your donations will be making a huge impact in Mozambique. Um, thanks, everyone. Estamos juntos.